Oh, welcome to the Heave 2 Podcast. I'm, once again, just as last time, your host, Garrett Hernandez. I just got back from a trip to the Bay Area to do some work on my boat. I should say, one of the first things I should say is, all the work done to, I think I will continue to call my boat the last word. I need to officially change the name of the Coast Guard. It's going to be the last word. All the work done to the last word this weekend was helped by a wonderful human named Aaron Gallagher who traveled all the way down to the Bay Area with me and helped with every single one of these projects. So big shout out to her right at the beginning. Thank you, Aaron. Now, so I traveled to San Francisco with um, a checklist done and I'm just going to read from the checklist and explain what, what I did the whole time I was down there. So the first thing we did was we stopped by my buddy Ken Shoop's place to pick up some, uh, an ozone generating machine. Um, Kenny is the skipper of the Sea Scout ship Sea Fox. I would like to have him on board to record sometime. And um, an ozone machine is for deodorizing boats. So the reason my boat needs deodorizing is because it was made in 96. And unfortunately, it still has the original sewage hoses. If any of you are interested in buying a boat, you should be aware that if you're buying a boat more than 10 years old, there's a good chance you'll have to do the sewage replacement job. Or an RV, for that matter. RVs and boats both have sewage systems made out of flexible hose and not solid pipe. What that means is that eventually, that hose will degrade and permeate it will get a little bit um penetrable to odors inside the system if any of you have been inside an old rv or an old boat and it kind of has a funk to it that's what it is if you want it to smell right the only way to do it is to replace the uh sewage hoses but there are ways you can fight it temporarily so one of these ways is an ozone machine um, ozone machines are used by auto sales companies, car dealerships, to get the smell out of cars people have smoked in. Same thing for hotels. Um, I was able to get one for 50 bucks. Thank you so much off Facebook Marketplace. But normally they're like $300 machines. Anyways, between that and the sewage treatment I picked up in West Marine, if any of you guys are finding the same issue, go for the blue stuff. West Marine branded sewage treatment. There's green stuff and blue stuff. Just go straight for the blue stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't use the most powerful equipment available to you, especially if you intend to be discharging into a public sewage utility, as you always should at a at a pump out station or way, way 12 miles out at sea. Um, so that was the first thing I did. And part of the big reason that we did that first step is because we were staying on the boat all weekend. So that's what we did treated the sewage system, ozone the boat. Um, second fact about ozone machines, ozone is toxic, you can't breathe it, so you have to leave the boat for 12 hours, stayed at Aaron's brother's place, he was kind enough to host us. Second thing I did is the I grabbed some bolts that go for the Bimini skeleton. So for those of you who don't know, the Bimini is a cloth cover that goes over the cockpit on sailboats just to protect you from like sun or rain or whatever and when my boat was shipped up here they disassembled it and lost a whole bunch of the boats bolts 
So I grabbed a handful of those and the Traveler line, Traveler line is for adjusting uh, trim on the mainsail, headed over to Blue Pelican. Would love to give a shout out to Blue Pelican right off the bat because Blue Pelican is like, a, think of it as a boat thrift store over in Alameda, but it's huge. It's big warehouse. Walked in, asked the guy, hey, where can I find some one inch double braided nylon lines? And he goes, I don't know. Should be with the lines. Um, where can I find these bolts? I don't know. Should be with the bolts. Point is, they're not very well inventoried, but if you have the time to dig through what they do have, you will find gems, treasures. I was able to get one inch mega braid, 80 foot of polypropylene line for $40. And I'm really hoping that that's going to be a workhorse line. So I got that at West Marine. I got the hardware I needed for the Bimini install. Um, I got fenders. If you walk into West Marine, sorry, I should say Blue Pelican. If you walk into West Marine, I got the fenders of Blue Pelican, but if you walk into West Marine and you want to buy a set of brand new fenders, you're looking at like a hundred dollars a pop. I was able to get nice cloth covered fenders at Blue Pelican, $30 a pop. Also, if you salvage parts from boats, uh, you can sell them to Blue Pelican. That's kind of how they, of course, they make a spread, just like normal thrift stores. Anyways, so what I bought at Blue Pelican were the bolts, new traveler line, fenders, uh, dock lines, also uh, a whole bunch of new, um, oh, I want to say polyester line for the jib sheets. For those of you who might rig a boat in the future, you want to use polyester and not double braided nylon. Nylon is very good for dock line. It's very strong stuff, but it stretches and you don't want that happening in your sheets. So that's why polyester is the preferred material for sheets. And I need a new jib sheet. So about a hundred foot of polyester double braid. After that, we picked up some snacks, headed back to the boat. One of the first things, uh, so one of the first things we did was we replaced all the dock lines. Took Pier Thirty Nine was kind enough to to be constantly retying my boat because I had some half inch and three quarter lines she was tied up with, and we had a really bad storm season in San Francisco, and she was constantly snapping lines. I destroyed a f two fenders that were both. I mean, I'm not going to say they were brand new, but they were both good fenders when I left. Popped both of them. Um, so I retied the whole boat down with one inch line, sometimes the, um, polypropylene line, yellow stuff. It feels gross, but again, great abrasion resistance and also double braided nylon for the nylon lines the, for the chafe points. I actually sliced up one of my dead fenders, drilled some holes in strips long, maybe like six inch strips and then just zip tied it to the lines. And I think that's gonna make really, really good chafing gear. So uh, if you need chafing gear, uh, fire hose is historically the best stuff. Um, but also I would say I have high hopes for this fender material, it's really thick. So after that, I went to investigate water that's been getting into my engine room. I was really concerned KKMI over in Richmond just installed a brand new dripless shaft seal. So I didn't think it was that, but I was also extra concerned that that's where the water was coming from because replacing the shaft, whether uh, the shaft seal or the rudder, if uh, the seal at the rudder 
both of those would have been very intensive but i was going down there and looking and i didn't see any more water intrusion until it rained and so uh looking at the hatch seal for the engine room i was definitely able to see some daylight through it so i think i'm gonna have to redo that hatch seal what's interesting though is there's no dog on the hatch a uh, dog Oh, how do I describe it for any non-sailor people who might be out there? Think of it as like a doorknob, but for a kind of combined with a latch, you know. Um, so you turn it basically 90 degrees and there will be an angle and it will press whatever door and the seal on the door into the ceiling surface. It's good for making doors watertight as important on small boats and ships as well. So... Anyways, I don't think it's a, there's no dogs on this door. I was told to use maybe, I don't know what you call the gasket that lines this hatch. It's kind of like a gutter system, the same thing that you would see on a car trunk. Um, and I was told maybe look up some weather stripping. I was in an auto parts store and I did today actually, and I did see weather stripping and it looks like the right stuff. I just have to figure out how to size it, go through options. Um, you know, honestly, if I wait to the summer, I might cut a strip of it off the actual hatch and go to some auto parts store and see if I can find like a, a pretty good match, at least that size or bigger. Um, so, and in the meantime, I don't want water in the engine room. One of the big things is like coming through the hatch, it drips onto the engine. Right now, I don't have an engine cover. KKMI swapped the engine out. It used to have an old Mercury 150. I got a brand new Yanmar 150. It's great but it doesn't fit the proper, it doesn't fit the old engine cover. So there's no engine cover on it. And the wiring harness is exposed at the top, which as an engineer, I will uh, give Yanmar a little bit of grief for this because I called them and said, hey, do you guys make a, sell a separate cover for the wiring harness? Because you know, it's exposed at the top of the motor and my, and my hatch drips leaks. And I would like to, you know, cover that those wires. And they say, well, clearly you have to fix the hatch. And it's like, yes, I understand I need to fix the hatch. However, ship happens, you know, you don't know when water's gonna get on the engine for this reason or another. Um, I called KKMI, they told me the same thing, but I do have a very good friend. Uh, he's, he's the one who taught me how to how to change oil filters on these marine engines. His name's John. I called him, I think I'm gonna hire him to make me an engine cover, being as I'm all the way up in Portland, and I think he could do a really good job on it. So uh, so that, that deals with the engine room right now. Temporarily, I honestly have the engine covered with a tarp, right? <laughs> I shouldn't say tarp, trash bag. Um, that's been taped to the engine but that's just to prevent any sort of drops or drips from getting on it um, in the meantime so that's what's going on there uh, water in the engine room mainsail on I had an ill-fated trip up the coast I might talk about it in more detail on the delivery don't want to get into it right now suffice it to say I hit some very heavy heavy weather outs, outside Point Conception with my crew and destroyed at least one sail and I thought I had also torn the mainsail but after getting the boat rigged thanks again to Aaron Gallagher and some more help from Claire who was there as well Claire's a good sailing buddy from the Vallejo um, Yacht Club she came out to take a look at the sail because she does some um, canvas and sail work and 
both of them helped me rig the actual boat, none of us could find an actual tear on the main. So I don't know if maybe in the excitement of the moment, I thought there was a tear and there wasn't, but um, we couldn't find anything. So for now, that's got a check mark in my notebook, but a cautious check mark. Um, we did raise the entire main, couldn't find anything, but we didn't sail around in it as much. It was just at the dock. So we'll see in the future. Uh, so I covered, I rigged the sheets. One of the things I'm updating this boat. It's made in 96, so it's older. It's it's pre-NEMA 2000. For those of you who don't know what NEMA 2000 is, it's a, um, it's a communication standard for boat electronics. And I think not just for boat. I think it's very similar to CAN bus, but somebody could... Um, that was Aaron who mentioned that it was similar to CAN, and when I was looking up a lot of the pin outs, I found a lot of CAN um, diagrams. So I do think it's similar. But I don't know exactly, Just I don't know. But what it is, is it is a cable that all your boat electronics can talk to each other over. So your chart plotter can talk to your radar, can talk to your speed sensor, can talk to your wind sensor, talk to your autopilot. All new boats have NEMA 2000 networks in them, but uh, man, I really should have looked up when it was invented. Suffice it to say in 96, they didn't have it, so my boat does not have it. Um, so I'm running a NEMA 2000 network. It's going from the chart plotter up in the cockpit and down into the engine room through the first watertight bulkhead, which is the engine room to the master cabin, through the master cabin, through the head, through, um, well, I guess I, the chart table, you know, and that's actually where my where my breaker panel is. So these NEMA 2000 networks, it's not just a cable, it's a powered 12 volt cable with resistors on either ends of the what's called the backbone. Think of the backbone as one long cable spanning the length of the boat, or at least as long as your sensors are. And then all the sensors have their own cables that attach to the backbone. These are called drop cables. Backbone is the cable we were running. Uh, and there is also one power cable that powers the whole network off your 12 volts. So, I wired in a 12 volt power from my panel and it took Aaron and I quite a long time to get from the aft head to the chart table. It's just one one hole that all the cables go through and unfortunately all the old 90s electronics, um, all those cables, they, they were really plugging the hole, you couldn't get into it. So. I ripped out the old radar cable. I had already, unfortunately, cut it at the beginning. I don't know if my new radar is compatible with it anyways. I cut it in the engine room, so it is what it is. I just really hope I won't have to run a new radar cable, but if I do, we'll get there when we get there. Um, I believe my new radar is NEMA compatible. I should read the manual for that. I'm going to read the manual sooner rather than later, writing on my post-it notes on my desk right now read radar installation manual but mysterious radar cables aside what I know for a fact I don't need is the old <laughs> speaker wire I don't um, you know frankly wired in sound systems are I think they should be a thing of the past Bluetooth audio has gotten so good I mean if you really really are an autophile and you want to do some speakers that's that's great but I think most boat people would benefit a lot just not having excess cables run where they don't need to be run and just using a Bluetooth speaker or even at the apartment I'm renting right now 
apartment, the house, the room and house I'm renting. I have a JBL speaker. Um, my friend is a JBL speaker. We just spread them out in a room and it's kind of like a sound system. So cut out a lot of the old speaker wire. I intend to entirely remove the old 90s CD changer um, from the master cabin. And I honestly, I think I'm just gonna put a mirror there. Um, but we'll see, maybe an extra closet. So running the NEMA 2000 cable, uh, the cable is not just going in there for fun. I got all new electronics. I already have a very small NEMA network just running from the chart plotter down to the engine room where I have 12 volt and also um, I have 12 volt and I also have a Bluetooth adapter. It goes from the NEMA cable to the Windex at the top of the mask. Windex is what shows you your wind angle and your wind speed. So the chart plotter is capable of seeing the wind angle and the wind speed right now. And uh, it's actually really nice. Those Windexes are such low power. You can, uh, they have a little solar panel at the top of them now. So you don't even have to run power for those. Uh, you do have to find somebody brave enough to go up the mast, which uh, at the time I had KKMI do. When I do the radar install, I have to be doing that myself. I've been up in self-tied bosun's chairs before, but not for long periods of time. So that'll be an adventure. Um, the new electronics I intend to install, I intend to install uh, BNG 20 Plus. That's their 20-inch radar. It's got some features that um, just the regular 20 doesn't have. It has features from the up, from the higher line, like object tracking. Um, and so that's really why I went. I sprung for the 20 Plus, really for the object tracking. And I also have a radio, a BNG V60. B model, uh, I highly recommend the BNG V60B over the V60 because it has an integrated AIS transponder, uh, both receiving and sending. And I really think it's important to send AIS signals to big boats out there, uh, ships, read cargo ships, because um, I might have already told this story in the last episode, but the point is, is that deckies those are what us engineers call the people who drive the boats, do not look out the window nearly as much as you would hope they do. They don't see anything if it's not on AIS, and unless it's one of my few decky friends listening to this podcast, in which case they are the exception. Um, so that's why I really want to be seen on AIS. Uh, so I'm going to have a fancy chart plotter, fancy radar. Eventually, I'm going to have an autopilot over the same network, and I need to run this cable still from the chart table through the salon to the mast and to a little compartment just in front of the mast in the deck that houses the DST sensor, DST standing for depth, speed, and temperature. It uh, monitors the depth and temperature of the water as well as the speed you're moving through it. Um, so suffice it to say, I'm putting all brand new electronics on the boat. They all need a NEMA 2000 cable. I'm running the NEMA 2000 cable. So, yeah, I think, let's see, I talked about the weather stripping. So, yeah, what we actually did is we rigged the boat, replaced the lines, uh, cleaned it a lot. It still looked very blown up. Erin helped a lot with the cleaning. Very grateful to her. I will be back in April-ish to help out with the Sea Scouts regatta. That's how I got into boating, and I'll just give a quick shout-out to the Sea Scouts. If uh, you or uh, 
a young person you know between the ages of 13 to 18 want to get started in boating, Sea Scouts is a great option. That's how I got my start. I'm going down to help them, uh, the SSS Albatross, with their famous Seafarers Regatta. I'll be actually the sailing ID judge, palling around with the kids and some old friends from back in the day. And when I go down there, I'll probably finish up a little more projects. I'm gonna see if I can run that cable a bit by myself, but most importantly, I'm just gonna clean the boat a little bit more. I left it in a little bit of an exploded state from trying to rip out the old cables and installing the new ones, so. Yeah, that's my update. As far as the podcast goes, uh, I am gonna continue to give boat updates as I continue to make headway on the project i'd like to start interviewing some other sailors i think eventually i want this to be an interview podcast of people i meet while sailing and traveling the world but in the meantime i could interview i have so many sailing buddies aaron is first of the list um and many people i worked with professionally as a marine engineer and other individuals i met at the yacht club so i'm going to try and get their thoughts on the whole um sailing environment So, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about anything at all, give me an email at garrett at heave2podcast. That is H-E-A-V-E-T-O podcast.com. And I'll answer your questions either via email or um, maybe on the podcast. So, thanks for listening. Please subscribe or share. Right now I have one subscriber. Shout out to Aaron. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you all again very soon. Bye.